Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today we're going to talk about the difference between powerless and disempowered. And then we'll also, of course, we're going to talk about how to feel empowered and powerful. This came up because I was reading something the other day, and they used the word uh, disempowered. And I recognized that I've never used that word, and I never even thought about it. And then I was like, but there have been times where I felt disempowered. Sometimes I feel like that in work. Sometimes I feel like that in the relationship. Sometimes I feel like that in life in general. When I think about what's happening in the world, I can feel disempowered. And I think that for a lot of kids, they feel disempowered, you know, because the the parents are uh, taking power away from them or they feel like that's what the parents are doing. But I would imagine that we all have felt disempowered at some point in our lives. And we've also all felt powerless. Um, And we also love to feel powerful and empowered. There's a quote that I read that I'd love to share with you. A world immersed in fear is the people disempowered. A world embraced by love is the empowerment of the people. That's right. It, it, you know, I've always grew up with power to the people, but now we're talking about empowerment of the people. And so let's break down specifically disempowered versus powerless so we have an understanding. Disempowered refers to a state in which a person or group has had their power, authority, or influence taken away or diminished. It often implies that someone once had power or agency but has lost it or had it restricted in some way. This term is often used in social, political, or organizational contexts to describe individuals or groups who feel marginalized, oppressed, or unable to exercise control over their own circumstances. So what would be an example of, or what would be some examples of disempowered situations? One, workplace discrimination, right? I'm sure some of us have had that. I for sure have had that. I I used to work in fast food, and I prefer to work in the kitchen. You know, I, I used to work at Popeye's Fried Chicken, And I prefer to be the cook because when you're the cook, nobody bothers you. Uh, It was myself and another cook back there, and we could trash talk. But like when you worked up front, the manager was always looming over you, the customers. um, You you had more opportunities to feel disempowered when you worked up front. Or in the back, people just left you alone. Nobody wanted to go in the back, right? So you had workplace, you have workplace discrimination. And workplace discrimination is an employee who experiences discrimination based on their gender or race and is denied opportunities for advancement and may feel disempowered in their workplace. They had the potential for career growth, but it has been restricted due to discrimination. And this might be you, you know, and and I think one of the ugly things about workplace discrimination is that it's not always clear that it's happening. It can be so vague. It can be such a gray area, right? You're like, did I not get it because of 
who I am or how I look or my background or my education, or did I not get it based, you know, strictly off of um, I I'm just was not qualified. I didn't have the experience or they found someone with better experience who could uh, more effectively fulfill the role. That we, we never, we oftentimes don't really know, right? I remember one time I went in for a commercial audition and right before I go in, I could hear the director say, we can't hire that guy. He looks just like my ex. So he was discriminated just because he reminded the casting director of her ex-boyfriend. Uh, so th- there's all types of workplace discrimination that uh, we'll just never know about, right? The other way uh, we can feel disempowered is in uh, political oppression, right? In an authoritarian regime, citizens who once had the right to be free, uh, to free speech and fair elections, may become disempowered as these rights are taken away and they are unable to influence the government's actions. Um, and you, we've seen this time and time again. If you look at situations in Ukraine or in, even in Russia, just throughout the world in different states, you know, even here, um, you know, I live in San Diego, but you see different states uh, uh, taking back rights that were once given to a group of people, whether it was around abortion or gun control or voting. Um, just, you know, you see. Um, different rights being changed with every election, depending on who's in office, what policies are getting uh, signed in, but also the, the, the nature of the world um, uh, in terms of the, the shifting political dynamics can infect or infect, affect uh, the different rights that are taken away or the rights that are given. And then when we look at parental control, right, that's another way that uh, people may feel disempowered. And that was going back to what I was saying earlier. Sometimes children can feel disempowered by their parents, right? A, a teenager who had more freedom and decision-making authority when they were younger but is now subject to strict parental rules and limitations may feel disempowered in their family life. Uh, you know, I've only had more... Um, power as I, I as I grew up, I was fortunate in that way, but there were definitely definitely moments where I was grounded, um, you know, for based on my behavior, and so some of my authority or uh, you know the the rules were tightened. My I was restricted to um, come home at a certain time or be in bed at a certain time, or I could do this, but I couldn't do that, and so you had those limitations put on you. And we see this especially when parents divorce. So a kid who may have had uh, a lot of authority and a lot of freedom may find their freedoms restricted because uh, they, they have to live with one parent versus the other. And so now more rules are in place. Or maybe they can't live with the parents at all. They have to uh, live with the grandparents. So you know when the family dynamics change, that can impact parental control. Um, or sometimes there's a health issue involved with your, with your child. And so now the parents are feeling like they have to uh, control and care more for their child so that further harm is not done. 
And then the last way that, uh, the last example of a disempowered situation is corporate restructuring, right? Where employees who had managerial roles and decision-making authority in a company before major corporate restructuring may find themselves disempowered when they are demoted or their roles are eliminated. You know, a, a lot of downsizing takes place right now, especially as the economy is becoming more global and there are uh, massive layoffs taking place. And so you see this collapsing of different um, departments in a company. So, you know, you may have had your one job, but now they've gotten rid of three other people. So now you have to do like four other jobs and that might rest uh, restrict what you were able to do before. Or, you know, if you get the company credit card, right, you can spend whatever you want. And now the company's like, look, we don't have the budget for you to spend whatever you want. Or uh, you can't get lunch on the company anymore. You, you see this especially in big companies where in the beginning they're providing free health care, free lunches. Um, you know, after, you know they, they had a happy hour. Uh, you know, all these different perks and, um, and, and, you know, you were able to get points and then all that stuff gets cut back and that's not fun. You could travel on their dime, right? And then all that gets cut back. No fun at all. So let's look at what it, it means to be or to feel powerless. So we looked at disempowered, right? Let's look at what it means to feel powerless. Power, feeling powerless is simply uh, means lacking power or the ability to influence or control a situation. It suggests a lack of authority, capability, or strength to affect a particular outcome. This term is more general and does not necessar necessarily imply that someone had power in the past and lost it. It can refer to a permanent or temporary state of lacking power or influence. You know, it's so important to really understand what we are feeling. That's part of why I really want to, I'm doing a deep dive on these two, because I recognize that, I've been able to recognize the moments where I felt powerless, but I've never really been able to hone in on the moments where I felt disempowered. And so for you, you might have the opposite, where you're able to recognize feeling disempowered, but maybe not recognizing sometimes when you feel powerless. And when we can have more clarity and be able to identify what we're really feeling and experiencing, that's where the, the feeling of empowerment comes from, where it's like, oh, I can identify this emotion versus being afraid of it or numbing out uh, to it. So some examples of uh, you know, feeling powerless in a situation are one, a natural disaster, right? During a hurricane or earthquake, Individuals and communities may feel powerless to control or mitigate the destructive forces of nature. We may feel like we lack the power to prevent the disaster from occurring. This happened to us recently. We Here in San Diego, we had uh, a hurricane, and although it did not reach the catastrophic levels that uh, was anticipated, our home took on some water damage. We discovered that our doors uh, have a gap, and so water was seeping in. And, you know, water in a home, that can destroy the flooring, the wood, and if it's not taken care of, it can lead to mold. 
And now you have an entirely different issue. This one small thing, just a little water up under the door, left for too long in the wood, and now you have mold. So now, you know, the, <laughs> the cost of repairing this and fixing this to make sure it never happens again is, uh, is astronomical. But there's some people who lose their homes. You know, I have a, I have a sister in Texas. I, well, I have two in Texas. But, uh, you know, one had a lot of damage to her home uh, during a rain. She had a lot of roof damage. Some people, um, and, you know, you just can't escape the hurricanes and the earthquakes. You think about New Orleans with the uh, tsunami and uh, hur- Hurricane Katrina. You think about Hawaii with tsunamis. Um, those are definitely situations where we can feel powerless. You know, when nature decides it wants to take you, adios. Um, number two is economic hardship, right? We can feel powerless when we feel like we're, when we're facing unemployment due to economic downturns. Um, and it could be a struggle to, to really improve our financial situations at that time. I mean, right now, gas is at like $6, approaching 7 They say we're going to get um, some relief from this, like it's going to drop. I don't know how significantly it's going to drop. But, you know, it, it's just painful when, despite our best efforts, we're unable to find employment, especially, you know, if you live in a place where there's a lot of wars taking place, so shops are shutting down, businesses are, are closing up. Um, it could be daunting to find uh, employment, despite the fact that you're, you are grinding the pavement and knocking on door to door and making all the phone calls and sending out emails. And having, I have a friend right now, she, um, she's been looking for a job for six months. And the challenge isn't even finding a job. The, the challenge is like finding a job that um, is going to pay you enough where you can provide for yourself. I mean, just the basic needs. Some of the pays from these jobs are um, not even not even enough to cover you driving to the job, right? So the other situation where we could feel powerless is uh, through health issues, right? When someone is diagnosed with a severe or untreatable illness, uh, they may feel powerless in the face of their health condition. I felt like that uh, a few times in and out with my sciatica, with my dysautonomia, uh, you know, for those of you who are just tuning in, um, I have COVID-related asthma and COVID-related dysautonomia. And dysautonomia is uh, a dysregulation of my nervous system. So uh, I could just start having uh, breathing issues, uh, bowel movements, um, you know, asthma attack. It's, uh, a, 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 my heart could just start beating out of, of nowhere. So in the beginning, when the doctors didn't know what it was because not a lot of people have it, it's challenging to diagnose. There's, there's no specific way of uh, diagnosing it. There's no specific test to say this is what you have. Um, it's just a cluster of symptoms where they go, this is what we believe you have. And, uh, and, and nobody, nobody really knew how to manage it. They were like, you know, do your best <laughs> is basically what I what I heard, and so I, there was a period where I felt powerless in that situation. I was like, "Wow, this really sucks," and 
And so, uh, but I found a way to take the power back. I started researching on my own and reaching out to other people and found a Facebook group. I found a way to empower myself uh, through the moment of empowerment, of, of feeling powerless, right? And then the last way we can feel powerless uh, is through bullying, right? If you're someone who's been uh, bullied at school, some people are bullied at work, right? Their boss, other employees, um, feeling bullied online, like all those things are real. They're very challenging. So how do we go from feeling uh, disempowered to powerful or, you know, to empowered, right? So we want to go from disempowered to empowered. The first thing we can do is self-reflect, right? To take some time when we feel disempowered to be with ourselves, right? And, and understand, are we feeling disempowered due to external factors such as discrimination or systemic barriers? Or are there internal factors like self-doubt contributing to how we feel? When we really understand the root cause of why we feel disempowered, then we can formulate a plan for change. And, and part of that plan is seeking support, right? Reach out to your friends, your family members, other support groups who can provide that emotional support and guidance. And we, you know, a lot of times we want to clam up and isolate and we, we might be embarrassed or ashamed of what we're feeling or what we're experiencing. But it's really important for us to share our feelings with others because that can be therapeutic and help us to feel less alone in our struggles. I know for myself that by talking to other people about what I was experiencing and going through with the dysautonomia, that I felt supported, I felt loved, and I felt seen and, and heard. And I felt like there were baby steps that I could take to move forward or feel like I had some type of power um, in this, um, in, with this diagnosis. And we can also get into, um, you know, activism and, and advocacy through, um, you know, because if we're feeling disempowered related to social or political issues, to get involved uh, with our community, uh, joining organizations that work toward change in the areas that matter to us, right, to use our voice to raise awareness and promote positive change. And we saw that with uh, the, the mother whose son was killed in a drunk driving accident. She started mad, Mothers Against dr uh, Drunk Driving, right? So she, her way to feel uh, empowered was to get involved in advocacy and activism. Part of, uh, for, for myself, starting this podcast, this is my way of, uh, you know, of advocacy and, and activism in that, I felt disempowered to my uh, suicidal thoughts. And, um, and I was like, well, if I'm feeling this, other people might feel this. And so how do I build a community around that and really look at this thing instead of being afraid of it? And, you know, with that comes skill development. When we are able to identify the skills or knowledge that can help us regain our self of empowerment, we can see these incremental steps moving forward, right? This can involve like taking courses, seeking mentorship, or gaining relevant experience to improve our confidence and our abilities. And this is, this is what I did with my health issues. 
I uh, took a class offered by someone who has dysautonomia and they have a support group. Um, I did that with my sugar addiction where I joined uh, SCAA as a way of, of getting that support, but also building the skills. You know, there's a skill development in learning how to manage our emotions to learning how to manage our, um, our eating habits or anything that we want more discipline in. You know, during the pandemic, I was taking sign language and guitar classes. I was focused on developing a skill and also wanting to connect with other people outside of the home because I was taking these during the pandemic. And there's a point where, I, you know, I was feeling very lonely, uh, even though Michelle and I were living together. It's like I need other people to talk to. So I was like, oh, if I take classes, I'm developing a skill and I'm connecting with other people. So there's so many different ways that we can feel, go from disempowered to empowered, right? And then the last way we can feel empowered is to set realistic goals, right? Break down our goals into smaller achievable steps. A lot of times we want to take on these big, massive goals, uh, but then that can feel overwhelming. It can feel daunting. Um, it can even <laughs> feel dreadful instead of exciting and, you know, really anticipating uh, taking the next step. Don't think about writing a book. Think about writing a paragraph or a sentence or just even the title, right? Um, breaking down our bigger goals into smaller goals, that's how we start to feel empowered. There's this book called Reading Lolita in Tehran, and it's about a group of women who, um, you know, during this, dic this dictatorship where they are literally killing people in the streets for looking a certain way or for, you know, just whatever the reason was. And they banned all these different books. But this group of women, they love the books. And their way of being activists was to form a little book club where they were reading all the banned books. And if they got caught, they would have been uh, murdered or severely uh, penalized in, in some type of way. But that was their way. Of, of, of being an activist, of feeling empowered. So it's, a, it's about you finding your way to feel empowered versus, um, you know, whatever you, you think you should do to feel empowered or to be an activist. Now, for those of us who may feel powerless, right, the first step in, in, in feeling powerful is acceptance. You know, sometimes situations are beyond our control and it's essential that we accept this reality it just it's just as we have this idea that i should be able to control everything but they're just things that are beyond our control i can't control the economy or the stock market it's beyond our control so acknowledging our limitations can reduce stress and help us to focus on what we can change you know uh, it's part of serenity prayer God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, the second thing we can do to feel powerful is self-care. Focus on our self-care, our well-being. Make sure that we're showering, we're shaving, we are maintaining a healthy lifestyle, eating a quality breakfast, managing stress, getting sunlight, 
seeking support from friends, family, and mental health professionals, you know, working with yours truly at thrivewithleoflowers.com. And then the third thing that we can do to feel powerless or powerful is mindfulness and meditation. You know, there's something beautiful about sitting with yourself, even for a minute or two. It's a reminder that I don't always have to feel like I'm in this fight or flight mode, that everything is do or die, that I have to go, 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 that, oh, once, you know, I have all my ducks in a row, then I can feel calm. When we practice mindfulness and meditation, it helps us to stay grounded, reduce anxiety, sleep better, and then we start to feel powerful, right? And this can improve our emotional resilience. Uh, and I know that word resilience, I had to actually read a definition of resilience. And resilience is our ability to get back to neutral, to get how quickly can we get back to where we were after a setback, right? Um, if you've had a setback or a, a depression, how quickly can we get back to neutral? That's what it, resilience is. It's really about, the, the, you know, it's uh, when you look at basketball players, there's some basketball players who, if they miss three shots in a row, then they're going to miss shots for the whole game, right? But then you have some basketball players, they miss three shots in a row, um, and then they're able to bounce back, they're able to correct their shot, and all of a sudden, they go on a shooting spree. They, they hit 10 shots in a row because they have a greater emotional uh, resilience. They're able to get back to where they were. Um, and then the next way that we can feel powerful is through knowledge, right? When we educate ourselves about the situation or the issue that makes us is making us feel powerless, then we can understand how to um, engage with it in a way to maybe uh, use it to our advantage to find ways to adapt. It, it's almost like when you when you uh, start working at a company, we, we may feel powerless in the beginning because we don't really know anything, but the more we understand and learn about the company, the more we understand and learn about the, the people that we're surrounded with and w- what the day-to-day operations are, then we can start to learn how to feel uh, to, uh, to, then we can start to learn how to uh, be effective and how to engage in a way that makes an impact, right? And then that way we can then start to be more proactive. But first, we have to have an understanding and an education as to what the situation or issue is so then we can understand how to move forward in a way where we feel uh, empowered, powerful, and like we're making a positive uh, difference, right? And then the last way is to seek help. Seek help, right? Uh, A lot of times we try to manage things alone. No bueno. Don't hesitate to seek assistance from experts, professionals, family, friends, even from people who you think may not be able to help you. This is key. It's not always about talking to professionals and experts. Talk to children. Talk to strangers. You, we are, are so surprised by who knows what, right? Allow yourself to be surprised about 
who can help you. Talk to everybody and everyone and allow yourself to be surprised. If, if you're a person who takes the bus, talk to the person sitting next to you at the bus stop. You have no idea what this person knows. Just because they're taking a bus and their shoes are dirty and their clothes don't fit does not mean that this person has not had a world of experience before this. It does not mean that that person wasn't the CEO of a corporation or um, you know, managing uh, a district manager of a, of a, of a company. Like we have no idea what this person's backstory was and what they know or what they read. There's so many geniuses who live on the streets. There's so many people who have traveled the world, who have made, who shook, shook hands with kings and queens and presidents, and you know they live in a, a tiny studio apartment and, and they never they never leave. Talk to everyone. You have no idea of the knowledge and information that's around you and, and that people can provide and support you with the information that you need to feel powerful. When you, when, you know, when you're on a plane, talk to that person sitting next to you. You're at a bar. Now, this may mean that you have to expand where you're seeking help, right? Um, if you're in a small town, you, you might have to get online and ask different people. Go on Reddit. Use Facebook. Like social media is not just for the scrolling. It's really an opportunity for you to connect with people that you otherwise would not have access to. And then I said seeking help is the last one, but I have one more for you, right? Just a little bonus. Focus on what you can control. That's how we can feel powerful. Focusing on what we can control and letting go of what we can't control, right? Um, Where do you have agency? Where do you have, where do you feel like you have autonomy? Even if it's limited, even if it's just a little bit, it's all you need because we can grow that over time, right? And so I just want to leave you with this, that it's gradual. Overcoming these feelings of disempowerment and powerlessness, it's gradual and it's okay to get help. It's okay to seek support. It's okay to, to move forward with others. And this is how we start to feel powerful and empowered and feel like we are regaining some control in our life. I hope this episode was powerful and empowering. And if it was, share it with one other person and say, hey, do you find yourself um, you know, struggling with feeling powerless or feeling disempowered? You know, to ask a question as you send and share these episodes is really a way of promoting engagement with your friends and finding out more about the people in your life. There's so many people in our lives who feel like this and they don't say anything. It just looks like everybody's doing great and doing okay when that could be furthest from the truth. So when we share these episodes, it's really a way of gently and uh, opening up a conversation that we might not otherwise have. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing the episode. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the um, uh, 988 or any of the other 800 numbers. You can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com. 
for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.